You're listening to the Saz Revolution Show. Bringing you front row seats to the Saz Revolution with your host, Alex Thuma. Saz Revolution show, bringing you front row seats to the Saz Revolution, courtesy of Sascribe Media. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and uh, I'm joined here today by uh, Jeff Kaplan, uh, Managing Director of Think Strategies. Welcome, Jeff. It's good to be with you, Alex. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And um, so you are, uh, well, Managing Director of Think Strategies since uh, 2001, uh, I believe. Uh, But uh, not only that, you're also founder of the Cloud Computing Showplace, uh, Showplace which is a vendor-independent online directory of cloud solutions, uh, and also uh, also host of the Cloud Innovators Summit. So uh, uh, you're pretty busy then, uh, I guess, right? <laughs> I, I sure am. And you know, it's been interesting because we founded Think Strategies back in 2001 because we were firmly convinced that despite the failure of the first generation of application service providers and utility computing, that the world would at some point come around to this idea that uh, products would have to change into services and lo and behold the success of salesforce.com in the SaaS world and Amazon web services in the infrastructure world has led us to this brave new world of the cloud. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and, and it's it, very interesting that's uh, of course that you mentioned Salesforce, it, it, it's certainly sort of very topical uh, this week and uh, you know, something that uh, I'm very keen to discuss with you. So uh, I guess you heard the or, or read the rumors uh, this week about a potential Salesforce acquisition? Yeah, I have. And I was very um, interested in those rumors because they've come a few years later than I thought they would have. Okay. In fact, I uh, published a, a blog post back in 2007 suggesting that Oracle should have bought uh, Salesforce back then because if you know anything about Salesforce, you know that it's populated with a lot of Oracle people, uh, starting yeah. with Mark Benioff. Mm-hmm. Back then, uh, it would have been a lot easier and a lot less expensive to acquire them than it would be today. No, absolutely. I mean, the uh, the money they're talking about, what was it, something like $47 billion? Um, That's right. It's a, it's a rare group of companies who can stand in line thinking they might be able to acquire Salesforce and, more importantly, do something uh, positive with them. You know, I've been through my own series of acquisitions in the past, and unfortunately, people have written books about how most acquisitions fail. And I'm afraid that there will be very few folks who can successfully acquire uh, Salesforce, not financially so much as uh, from a cultural and momentum and goodwill point of view. So you mentioned Oracle. Uh, Microsoft have also been touted. I think I've seen IBM, maybe HP. Maybe SAP. I mean, who's your bet? Well, if there's going to be, in fact, a friendly acquisition, and at the time I wrote my first blog post, I thought it would be a hostile acquisition by Oracle. Um, I think of all of those folks, a friendly acquisition, although it may seem um, impossible to believe, would in fact be with Oracle if that in turn meant that Mark Benioff would assume the role of president of the company and take over from Larry Ellison when Larry decides to, in fact, truly retire. Uh, the reason being because the two cultures are so much alike and the, the um, senior staff of the two companies know each other so well. Um, I'm not predicting that's going to happen, but I think that would make the most sense. 
Uh, it is interesting to note that there is a friendlier relationship between Microsoft and Salesforce today, but I think that that combination would be a difficult one to um, make success of. And, and as I said before, I think all of the speculation leads me to believe that if it were to happen, it would be a sad day for the industry because I do think that uh, we would not see Salesforce uh, ever be what it is today if it were a part of some other company. Inevitably, we would see people leaving the company, momentum lost, goodwill lost, and the dream of what Salesforce represent, uh, represents today would be lost as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's really going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Of course, they're only rumors, but uh, I'm sure, you know, they, they've started, uh, you know, from, from somewhere uh, and from some truth. And um, I, I think as well, you, you know, it would probably, you know, be Oracle or Microsoft. In fact, uh, I think, you know, we published uh, uh, this week, only yesterday, um, that our bet would be Microsoft, you know, because of this new open Microsoft uh, that, you know, Satya uh, Nadella has, uh, ha has brought in since uh, he's taken over from Steve Ballmer. Uh, and because of this uh, closeness and strategic relationship they've had together with Salesforce since 2014. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, really, really curious to see what happens. And I think you're right, it would be potentially a, a sad loss if they were to, um, you know, merge into uh, Oracle or, or into Microsoft and, and we lose Salesforce uh, you know, as an independent entity. So um, uh, moving on from, uh, from that, just for the, uh, for the time being, um, uh, I, you know, I, I follow you on Twitter, Jeff, and uh, you know, one of the uh, 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 tweets I saw this week was an article from um, our friends over at TechCrunch uh, called Back to the Future in Enterprise Selling. So uh, you know, it grabbed my uh, attention. Um, I had a quick read of it, and it's also something that uh, um, you know, I've been thinking you know, very much of uh, lately and even writing about. Um, and so I, I guess kind of the question, or for the people that haven't read it, you know, it talks about uh, SaaS moving, you know, back into uh, potentially, you know, old ways of solution selling. So, I mean, I put it to you, as, uh, as I'm sure you've also read the article, that, uh, you know, are we going to be seeing more steak and sushi dinners or, you know, deals done on the golf course in the future in the SaaS industry? I think there's some salespeople who would love to get back to the free <laughs> yeah. lunch. There's no question about that. And in truth, again... You know, referring back to our friends at Salesforce, if you look at um, one of the most important um, uh, senior leadership um, changes over there over the past couple of years, it was Mark Benioff bringing over his friend uh, Keith Block to become president of Salesforce, again, another Oracle alum. And uh, what um, he was doing was uh, giving Keith the responsibility of uh, maturing, if you would, um, the sales team and the, the go-to-market strategies for the company uh, to uh, to address the um, raising of the bar, if you will, when it comes to enterprise um, application sales in the SaaS marketplace. And again, I wrote a blog post on this topic a, a few years back because I saw it already be, beginning to happen because of the recruitment um, tactics of both Salesforce and at the time, success factors when they were still an independent company and uh, companies like Workday as well, all of whom uh, have been uh, 
acquiring sales talent from the established software or enterprise software companies because um, the nature of those enterprise SaaS applications is not only becoming more robust, but has to be integrated into more complex environments. That does take a different kind of sales skill. It does take a different kind of implementation process. And it does take a much more mature um, uh, working relationship, if you will, uh, between the SaaS provider and the enterprise customer. So the more things change, the more they eventually um, remain the same. And in truth, this has something to do with the changing profitability of the SaaS marketplace. You know, there are some companies like Salesforce who have always put their uh, uh, metal or the foot to the pedal um, to uh, try to win share and sacrifice profits in the process. But part of the problem is also that the cost of sales in the enterprise um, SaaS marketplace is inevitably going up, uh, not only because of the complexity, but because of the competition. And that is going to put um, some more pressure on profit margins going forward, which again, by the way, uh, makes the attractiveness of buying a big company like Salesforce that much more um, uh, complicated uh, in today's marketplace. Okay, no, I, I agree with you, absolutely. And uh, I, I probably should, uh, should call this uh, podcast and this interview the Salesforce special because uh, you touched on also, you know, about profitability um, uh, in, in your response there. And, uh, you, you know, my next question was going to be, how important is it for a SaaS company to be profitable? I mean, especially if you look at Salesforce and, you know, despite their huge valuation and, you know, being at the, uh, the, the forefront of, uh, I guess, you know, the biggest SaaS companies in the industry in their billion dollar quarters, um, you know, they're still not uh, profitable as, as, as far as we know. So, I mean, how, how important is it really, uh, profitability? Well, profitability is important in the sense that the ability to be profitable is essential. And what I mean by that is um, I'm reminded of the founder of Success Factors, uh, Lars Dargard, who um, made the statement at an investor conference that he could turn the switch on his business anytime he wanted to operate profitably. But he chose to... Um, uh, and reinvest his money in growth and, and customer acquisition in order to build his market share. But in fact, there was a period of time where uh, he was trying to demonstrate the profitability of the company, which inevitably led to its acquisition by, by SAP, and in fact changed the operating rules for a period of time to make that happen. Salesforce.com could do the same thing if it wanted to. It is a profitable business, although the cost of, of delivering services is something that most software companies in the past didn't have to contend with. But they, the way in which SaaS works can be, in fact, very profitable. But in today's highly competitive marketplace, most companies are going to reinvest those profits into sales and marketing and the growth of their infrastructure and service delivery capabilities. And that's why you see companies like Salesforce, um, in fact, running 
at a um, deficit as opposed to a profit. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, that's uh, that, that makes absolute sense. And I think, uh, well, uh, possibly a non-Salesforce question here. Although I'm going to use the words Salesforce uh, again. But whilst we we may lose uh, Salesforce, uh, you know, as an entity, if they get taken over by Oracle or Microsoft, uh, it, it's been speculated a lot this year that we actually may lose you know, a few unicorns, or, or actually the, the, the words were, you know, we'll see the death of uh, a few unicorns this year by, uh, you know, commentators in the industry and VCs such as uh, Bill Gurley. Uh, I mean, do you think this is uh, something that we're going to see in, in 2015? And, you know, are we in a SaaS bubble? I think there's no question that the valuations have gotten a bit out of hand. And the most um, recent indication that there is a lot of apprehension about those valuations just came the other day with um, uh, LinkedIn admitting that it wasn't going to hit uh, the numbers and meet the expectations of Wall Street and uh, watching its shares as a result uh, decline. Twitter had a similar experience. And you know those publicly traded companies are bellwethers for the investment community who's also put um, a significant amount of capital into startups who, as you mentioned, are referred to as today's unicorns. Uh, I believe that um, when the day is done, we're all going to rediscover that unicorns don't exist. Yeah. As a result, the value of all of these companies inevitably is going to be questioned and most likely going to decline uh, because we, we inevitably will live in a market where uh, rational decision-making will overcome the irrational speculation that has existed over the past year or two. You can't uh, speculate uh, or, you know, have you any idea if you know who we might uh, lose this year or uh, have you had any thoughts around that? Well, you know, there is tremendous opportunity still in this marketplace and, and to a certain extent the greatest opportunities I see are um, on the periphery of the um, the mass market brands that everybody pays attention to, um, so you know when I think about where the exciting opportunities lie, um, and in many ways they dwarf the, the businesses we're we're seeing the valuations being given to, you know it's in the industrial world that's being uh, transformed by the Internet of Things, and then even in the SaaS world, there's some companies who are emerging. Uh, in various vertical markets, taking the same principles of Salesforce and Workday and uh, ServiceNow and other horizontal enterprise application companies and applying those principles to specific industries um, and helping to transform those industries in, in a way that um, I think uh, long term is going to have a greater impact on how business is done than anything we've seen before. Okay, and we've mentioned a lot of you know big names in our conversation today within the SaaS industry. Now, if you were going to start a SaaS startup, you know what would it be, and and why? Well, it would be focused on specific industries. You know, every industry has its Byzantine business processes that need to be digitized, so to speak. So, you think about the paper. Uh, checks and, and um, other kinds of processes that still exist in banking and 
how those should be turned into digital forms and with new payment systems that are being transformed on a daily basis. You think about the interactions we have in the insurance industry with um, insurance brokers still uh, meeting with us with uh, yellow pads of paper trying to record information and transmit that information up a supply chain of underwriters. Um, all of these things um, in every industry have the opportunity to not only be digitized, but what I refer to as sassified. And we're seeing players uh, pop up in each of those industries. In fact, if you look at my cloud uh, uh, computing show place, we have over 2,500 companies now listed across 90 different categories, including every imaginable industry. Uh, companies like tire wear for tire distributors, or iPipeline in the insurance world, or Velocity also in the insurance business. Uh, these are companies that are all doing interesting things to help, um, again, not only digitize but modernize the way in which these um, industries work. Okay, and so I imagine you call the company uh, Sazify.com then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's a great idea. I'm Go and register the domain. <laughs> And, you know, I think there are wonderful opportunities for startups. I think that um, going forward, there may be more rational thinking about the, the investment strategies around them. But I'll, I'll give you an example of a company in, in that category that's done quite well and has served as a model for success for others. And that's a company called uh, Vima, who um, uh, used to be referred to as Vertical Markets, and I always refer to as the first, um, uh, I should, I said Vima, but I should have said Viva. Uh, it's the first value-added reseller, if you will, of Salesforce.com in the pharma space. So uh, there are a lot of examples of these kinds of companies. And I think you'll see more of them. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think that's it for the, uh, the, the show today. And uh, you've been a fantastic guest, uh, Jeff. And, you know, we hope to have you back on again in the, uh, in the future. Um, you know, great thoughts and comments on, uh, on Salesforce. So... Uh, you know, good to speak to you, and uh, I'm sure I say we'll, we'll have you back on again in the uh, in the future. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Cheers, Jeff. Thank you.